0: Welcome to Destiny Revival Ministries Sermon of the Week. Thank you for joining us. You can stay up to date through our social media or give from the link in the details. We hope this message blesses you. Thank you very much. Uh, (laughs) I'm just blessed, you know, because this is not, I mean, this is never something that I'm confident in of myself, which is awesome because... uh, The less confidence I am in in me, the more room I give the Holy Spirit to do the work. And he's much better at reaching any of us than I'd ever be. But I'm just grateful because before I went to bed last night, I was like, man, they always ask me for a title and I never have a clue of what to title anything. And finally, I I just heard God say to title it Gates of Praise. And, you know, I sometimes need confirmations for myself you know, to just say, hey, that, you know, what I'm hearing the Spirit saying, um, and just the, the beautifulness of what went on this morning and, and all this is just God is the master orchestrator of everything. I mean, He knows, he, he goes so far above and beyond anything that we can say or do or try to accomplish on our own when we turn this over to the hands of God. I just sit back and just watch, you know, what he's able to do. I mean, it's just, it never ceases to blow my mind. Amen. And and it's just, I, you know, I wanted to say, and I, and I might be all over the place this morning, so you just have to forgive me. But I wanted to just start by saying something real quick about the junior high night. Um, this past Friday night, Uh, Instead of having the the traditional junior high for the, you know, 10 to 14-year-olds coming here, and uh, Cody and Derek and Pastor Melissa and Jen really, you know, pour into them and go deep and, you know, really get into the Word, and, you know, know, kids have always enjoyed it. Uh, But this past Friday was was a little different in that they just went to Cart Ranch and just had some fun, uh, rode the go-karts, played some games, just hung out. you know, did not get to do anything spiritual, super deep, or anything like that, but when I tell you, as a parent, one of the greatest joys that we can have is seeing our kids hunger and thirst after God, and want to talk about the things of God. That ride home, when I picked up Ethan, Olivia, and Elliot, it takes us about 25 minutes, the way I drive, 25 minutes to get home from Cart Ranch, Uh, to get to our house for most people, probably 40 minutes. But we're getting home, and from the time that we got in the car, Ethan and Olivia could not be quiet about asking about different things of God, talking about the things of God. And they had just left Cart Ranch where they did not get to get into anything. Super spiritual. I mean, I asked them when we got home. I was like, did y'all get to get into the Word? I mean, where is is all this coming from? It was such a blessing. I mean, everything that they were saying which is so good, just the fact that they were questioning some things and wanting to talk about things and Olivia would ask questions, Ethan would answer them, you know, and all this kind of stuff. And I'm just, I'm just blown away. And it just touched me so much. And, you know, just the fact, I don't think we put enough emphasis on understanding the spirit that we carry, what's in us is so capable of doing the work. Sometimes it's not about the words. It's not about... Um, the things that we do, it's what we are. It's what's on the inside of us. And I was kind of just making some fun with Derek while we were at the Cart Ranch. I was asking him, so, which one's better, you know, coming here to church or riding go-karts? You know, at Cart Ranch, he's like, well, this was pretty fun. Yeah, <laughs> could kind of get used to this. And, yeah, uh, yeah, it's uh, just a, a stupid thought, just silly thought that just kind of came to me, but I think it's relevant, is I just heard, we are the salt— Of the earth. And that's what I told Derek. Salt flavors, salt enhances. And I think us as believers, we're supposed to be salty believers. We should be having the most fun. You know, we should be out there just enjoying life because the spirit that we carry, if we're in constant communion with the Father, anything that we're doing, if we're out riding go-karts, if we're out playing games, whatever it is that we're doing, the spirit of God is present with us. And I believe he's there having just as much fun, you know, with us as we are. And if we can just realize that we are the salt of the earth and if we allow the spirit to just flow in and through us, man, it can just not only just touch us each and every day, no matter what we're doing, but to reach out and to touch the lives of others in a way that our words and sometimes the stuff that we talk about, it's all great, it's amazing. And I just wanna thank each and every one of y'all because I greatly attribute the hunger for our kids. Yes, we, tr- we teach them, we train them at home and things like that, but I'm not gonna deny that there is change that takes place in our kids as a result of these junior high nights, You know, going deep, experiencing the presence of God, being um, intentional, you know, with what we're teaching, with what we're putting in them and allowing them to express themselves. And one of Olivia's comments, that just touched me so much as we were getting home. You know, she said, I want to go deeper in my relationship with God, you know, and that's just, you know, what parent doesn't want to hear that, you know, and so just from the bottom of my heart and probably every other parent here whose kids participate, thank y'all. Thank you. Thank you for everything that you do. The work that you're doing there is not unnoticed. I know it's a work of labor. It's a work of, you know, it's a work. It's a labor. There's no doubt about it. But thank y'all, you know, so much. It means the world to us. Um, and so I just, I woke up with that same thought. You know, like I said, I was just kind of goofing off with Derek Friday night uh, when I was talking about, you know, salt, how we should be, you know, salty, salty believers, you know, instead of, uh, you know, religious prunes. <laughs> and... <clears throat> And so, you know, just like salt flavors, you know, it enhances taste, it also enhances smell. Um, Salt is also, in the scriptures, is referred to as a preservative. And depending on what you're preserving, that can be a good thing, that can be a bad thing. And so, I don't know why, but I just woke up with that uh, yesterday morning and decided to just read... One of the first things that always comes to me when I think about salt as a preservative, I think about Lot's wife, uh, and that's in Genesis 19, and I'm not gonna, not gonna read the whole thing, uh, you know, probably just about everybody knows that story, but a couple of things that, and I'll just call it joy reading, I was just reading, not really being intentional with, with anything I was looking at, uh, but something that's always kind of bothered me a little bit, you know, as to just my understanding, is a couple of things for that whole story. One is Abraham is talking to God. God, you know, there's three messengers that come, talk to Abraham and say, we're gonna destroy the city of Sodom and Gomorrah. And and Abraham says, well, for the sake of 50, uh, will you not destroy the cities? Trying to protect Lot and his family uh, that are there. God says, no, I will not destroy the city. And he goes from 50 to 45 to 40 to 30 to 20 to 10. And I always just wondered, why did he stop at 10? You're on a roll, keep going. Because you know, the only people that were saved from the city were Lot, his wife, and his two daughters, that's four. You know, I mean, Abraham, from everything that we've seen in the scriptures, he kept pretty close tabs on his family. You know, he protected them when they were in trouble. I mean, I think he knew you know, how many family members he had in the city you know, and how he wanted to protect them. And then the other thing that I've never really understood is what was the enticement to Lot's wife to want to turn around? I mean you're fleeing this city. I mean just seeing the this, the the terrible stuff that was happening just before when the messengers come and you know they're trying to beat down his walls and you know he's offering his daughters. I mean it's just it's a terrible terrible nasty place. You're fleeing from there. I've got to believe I mean I, I don't know the hearts of Lot and his his family and all that. I, they probably weren't super righteous spiritual people, you know, from what we can see, but still fleeing this, being safe from this, what on earth was still there that you'd want to turn around and apparently look longingly, you know, back at what you're leaving behind? You know, that just, for me, just never really made any sense. And I'm not going to make this any kind of doctrine, but when reading, because I first was reading it through King James, New King James, and it never stood out to me before, but reading it, in verse 14, you know, it talks about the angels are with Lot and his, and his family, telling them about the destruction that's about to come to the city. And then they ask Lot, they say, do you have any other sons-in-laws, sons, any other family members outside the house? Go and speak with them, gather them together so we can all flee the city. Lot, the next verse, it says he leaves the house and goes and speaks with his sons-in-laws that had married his daughters previously before that, we know that he had two daughters that were virgins, that, you know, that he was offering to the crowd of people that were trying to bear, you know, bust down his walls and everything like that. So he had more than these two daughters that were fleeing the city. That's something I never saw before, is that he had sons-in-laws that he went to that were already married to his daughters, but yet you fast forward in every passage of scripture, doesn't matter what, in, what interpretation you're reading or what version of the Bible you're reading. It says the angel specifically told him, take your two daughters that are in your house and flee the city. And so it all of a sudden shed some light. And like I said, I'm not going to make a doctrine on this, you know, or anything like that. But I think it, for me, it answered those couple of questions. You know, one, you know, Abraham stopping at 10 you because know, it's possible that he knew that he had actually 10 family members. And then also too, Lot's wife wanting to turn was not to, I firmly believe now, was not because of what she was leaving behind, the city that she was leaving behind, but rather the daughters, the family that she was leaving behind. And so what I got in that, like I said, what, what I'm trying to say is not, about, is not about that. It's not about whether or not she actually had family or just looking back at the city. That's not the important part. The important part is they were instructed to not look back. And when you get stuck, you know, she turned around, she became a pillar of salt and salt right there is talking about being preserved. You know, so metaphorically speaking, she became preserved in that state. She looked back, could not release the things that were that she was coming out of. And so sometimes if we stay stuck in a state of, why didn't this happen? Why was, why was there this loss? Why didn't I get the answer to this prayer? You know, whatever it might be, when we become stuck in that state, we become preso- preserved in that state. And that's where the scriptures in Matthew talks about and salt has lost its flavor, its flavor. You know, and so at that point, the salt you become incapable of doing anything. When it's talking about in Matthew, when it's talking about and the salt loses its flavor, it's saying that it's of no value anymore. It can't function. It can't do what it was called to do. It can't function in the purpose. It can't flavor anything. It can't bring life to anything. So when you become stuck in something, when you become preserved in something, you, you hold yourself back from being able to move forward in the things that God wants you to be able to move in. And, and so what I kind of wanted to talk about, I know this, what on earth are we talking about? Gates of praise. I'm going to get there um, because I was... I was Thursday night. I was just taking a shower, not being super spiritual or anything like that. Just probably singing, you know, some random uh, weird songs. And I heard a phrase just come to me, and it's a scripture verse. <clears throat> but I just heard this phrase come to me clear as day, and it brought with it so much excitement. And it's and, and this is where I'm going to kind of tie into some of the things that Pastor Mark was just talking about a minute ago. The phrase I heard was "Blessed are those." Who still have not seen but yet believe and as soon as i heard that i got so much excitement that came in me because i feel that we're stepping into a season where pastor mark over the last couple of years has used the word acceleration you know or maybe last year you know whatever it might be and i have definitely seen that not just in myself, but we've definitely seen that in others. You know, it's like there's an acceleration in the Spirit of people that are, you know, just coming into connection with the Spirit, moving in the things of God. There's just an acceleration that's just propelling them, you know, forward and forward at such a fast pace. It's just an amazing thing to see. And I got the same excitement, you know, hearing this. Blessed are those who have not yet seen, but still believe. And... That that scripture verse is John 20, 29. It says, Blessed are they who did not see and yet believed. And in the passion, you know, it of course kind of expounds on this a little bit. <clears throat> but it says, But there are those who have never seen me with their eyes, but have believed in me with their hearts, and they will be blessed even more. You know, so I don't know. You know, maybe there's some people in here, or maybe there's some people that we know that are still waiting for an answer to prayer, still waiting for something to happen, you know, still you know, wrestling with some you know, kind of circumstance, situation in their life, you know, whatever it might be. And I can't say why that thing may not have come to pass or why what you've been waiting for, what you've been leaving for has not yet been manifested. But the word that I got is this, and I wrote this down exactly. Do not let fear, doubt, anxiety, self-pity, guilt, shame, condemnation, Try to take root in you. Continue to believe and watch out because when the answer does manifest, you will be forever changed. And this was, you know, this, this part may not sound super spiritual, but it impacted me and I hope it impacts somebody. You will be transformed into a bucket of crazy. And what I saw is not, cause you said crazy and they're like not nuts. And I was like, hey, yeah, there you go. Another little confirmation is the joy when you see the goodness of God actually manifest in your life. Because there's some people that have never actually witnessed the goodness of God. They have not seen it, but yet believe it, you know, hold it in their hearts that it's true. And when that comes to pass, when that thing comes to pass, because I believe we're stepping into a time when those things that we've been waiting for, that we've been praying for, that we have not yet seen, I believe those things are coming to pass. And as they do, you are going to be so transformed into, again, this bucket of crazy to where you cannot be contained, you know, this joy that you're going to have cannot be contained. You cannot hold it inside. You have to tell the world about it. You know, it's going to be evident on your life. If people are going to see it in your eyes. People are going to hear it when you talk. You know, everything that you say, it's one of the things that blesses me so much about the life. I think of uh, people like Todd White, who had such an amazing 180 with their life. You know, went from just uh, being an absolute terrible person to a complete, completely transformed person and now he you can't shut him up everywhere he goes he's going to tell people whether they're interested or not he's going to tell people you know all about what god has done for him in his life and that's the that's the place that god wants each and every one of us to be. You know, scripture clearly says it is the goodness of God that brings people to repentance or brings people into change, brings brings people into a changing of the way that they think or the perspective that they carry. You know, is the goodness of God and he so desperately wants to demonstrate his goodness to each and every one of us. And so it's just this is a word of encouragement to hold on, continue to believe even if you have not seen, continue to believe. And just like it says in the Passion, it says, and they will be blessed even more. And I, I, and, that's the, and I believe that goes along with the acceleration word, because, you know, like Pastor Mark was kind of warning about, you know, saying that, hey, there might be some people who have been following after God for 10, 20, 30 years, and then here comes somebody who... Six months in, one year in, they're just running, you know, and they're seemingly just passing them up, you know, in the spirit. They're just laying hands on everybody. They're talking to everybody. And those of us who have been in this forever, like, wait, you know, hold on, you know, why why are they getting to escalate so quick? You know, so to just be prepared, you know, for what is coming to those who continue to believe and still have not seen. The time is going to come. The word is going to be made real. It's going to happen. And when it does, there is nothing that's going to be able to shut you up. Um, and so just a, a little thing that I got, you know, too. I'm always struggling for ways to explain you know, some things that I get, some things that I see, and it's, uh, it's always a challenge. So I'm always trying to come up with some kind of practical way. And so something that I saw, I don't know how many of you, Billy may have seen it, you know, a handful of times being in real estate, but anybody's ever witnessed a home inspector, you know, when a house is being sold uh, or being purchased, you know, whatever it might be. Uh, every time I've ever seen it happen, these house inspectors like to walk around with a screwdriver, go outside of your home and they poke. They go around your soffit and jab, jab, go around your door trim, your window trim, your garage trim, and they're looking for soft spots. And they're just going around, just poking at everything, poking at everything, because what they're trying to do is determine if there's possibly any vulnerability, any kind of issues structurally with the foundation, something that's not seen, because you may see this thing on the outside and cosmetically everything looks fine, but if they're able to poke their way through, There might be something that needs some serious attention underneath. You know, something underneath the surface that we can't see. And so, something I got is we are a city set on a hill. Each and every one of us. You know, he's not talking about America being the city set on the hill. Each and every one of us are a city set on a hill. A light for everyone to see. And the picture that I saw is just this city, elevated, and around, the, around this city is a wall. And the scripture says that the walls are our salvation, walls of salvation. And there's an enemy poking that wall. you know how I many you know any time that, you know, if you look back at the olden days, any time a city was under siege, if there was a clear, wide open, hole in the the wall, that's where they're going to go through. You know, they're not going to find the place that's well uh, guarded, that's, you know, perfectly intact. They're not going to waste their time. You know, they're going to look for something that's, um, you know, that's showing some signs of weakness or, you know, is a gaping hole, you know, whatever it might be. And that's the enemy that we have is he's trying to find, walking around, poking and prodding, trying to find the places in us that haven't been um, solidified yet. There may be some things that, uh, we may be uh, dealing with. And so a a vision that I saw, and it wasn't, wasn't even really a a vision. Amy and I were both sick over the last couple of weeks. We both had the flu. And for, I don't know, a few days, we both had really high fever. Uh, we both were having some hallucinations. Those were fun. And, uh, My hallucination was uh, trying to solve a math problem the entire night, and I kept trying to tell myself, stop, who cares? This is probably not even solvable, and then I would just get right back into it, looking at this math problem, trying to solve it. Amy was time traveling, you know, doing all kind of, you know, crazy stuff, so, you know, we were having a good time, you know, with each other, laying in bed, just hallucinating. And, uh, but the the next night, the next night, I, I still didn't get any sleep. But that night, I still had high fever, but instead of hallucinating, the Holy Spirit was with me for a period of, I'd say, probably six or seven hours, just going over so many things with me, reminding me of the things that he has shown me specifically over the last two, three years that I have learned, not through uh, necessarily teachings of other people or things that I've read, but direct deposits from the Holy Spirit. And those are things that stick with me, they're real to me, they're forming me, they're making me who I am, those are things that I stand on firmly, and it was like we were going through them as like a book, you know, just reading, you know, just reading these things of, hey, remember this, you know, you know and just going through all this stuff, and it was absolutely amazing, I mean, I'll be honest with you, I didn't, the fever didn't matter, the flu didn't matter, the aches didn't matter, what I was going through in my body I was still going through it. And I'd be lying to you if I said I wasn't aware of it because I was, but it really didn't. It was not the forefront. You know, it was not the front burner. I was so focused and so happy just dwelling in his presence, honestly. You know, I mean, just, just getting this download from the spirit. And one of the things that he told me very clearly is he said, I'm taking the soft spots and the holes in your wall and I'm turning them into gates. And I don't know if you've ever been in the, in the Spirit when things are being shown to you. When you're in the Spirit, everything makes sense. You know? Uh, and then when you, you know, I don't want to say come out of it, but, you know, when you, when you kind of get back into uh, the, the natural world and you're trying to write some things down, or it's like, what does that mean? You know? Uh, you know, I feel like... Uh, because what I was seeing was a very clear, very vivid picture, made ton of sense to me, helped me out tremendously, got me super excited. But then when I was trying to figure out some kind of way I could put this down, I'm like, yeah. what, do you, what do you do? You know, and I was thinking about John, you know, what he must have been experiencing writing Revelation. You know, I'm sure as God was giving this to him, he's just like, man, this is incredible. Yes, you know, this is, you know, so cool. And you get into Revelations, what is it, 22 or whatever. And it talks about the city. New Jerusalem. It's a cube. It's coming down. It's the bride, you know, and all this kind of stuff. And I'm sure he's thinking, man, this is incredible. And then he's writing it down. He's like, what is this? You know, how do I explain this to other people? You know, and like I said, when you're in the spirit, it just, man, everything just makes perfect sense. There's no confusion. You know, everything's good. But that's what I was seeing in the spirit is this city. Again, each one of us being a city. And he said, I'm taking the holes. And the soft places of your wall, and I'm turning them into gates. And I had to look that up a little bit, you know, when I when I woke up, um, and I found that in the second part of Isaiah 60, verse 18, it says, "You will call your walls salvation and your gates praise." So, um, so I so what I saw, and again, this is hard for me to get a picture, and I'm glad that. God gave me one uh, that I can kind of share, is I got two things. First was that there's something that flows out of these gates. And second, I got what these gates are actually made of, how they're actually formed. And I got the flowing part from a very deep spiritual source, uh, Lego Masters. (laughs) We were watching, uh, if nobody's ever watched it before. Uh, you know, it's just these teams that compete, you know, building pretty crazy Lego stuff. And, uh, you know, the kids love it. Uh, I, I like it too, it's, it's pretty interesting. And uh, their challenge that we were watching uh, a few nights ago was they each had to build a volcano. And they get these big plates and their islands, and they have to build this volcano. And at the end of their build, they press these explosion buttons or whatever, and the volcano erupts and lava, which probably was honey, comes out, flows down, and it's supposed to wash everything out at the bottom of the volcano and push it into the water. And that was, their, that was their challenge. And most of them, I mean, these are very creative people. I mean, things that I would never in a million years, you know, think of doing. But most of these people at the top of their volcano to, to make the lava flow where it needed to flow, they built these gates. So that way, when the explosion occurred, the lava traveled where they wanted it to travel. It traveled it down, and it was directed exactly where it needed to go. And so that was the picture that kind of helped me understand because what I heard, what this lava was, what it is that's coming out, and I'm so grateful for the worship because, once again, it confirmed, you know, some of the things I was hearing. What comes out of those gates is living water. And you know, it's just something that ministers so much to me. Our gates are a means of allowing the living water to flow from within and overtake everything around us. And there's, so I started looking up a bunch of scriptures on living water and there's a ton of them. So essentially, rather than reading all these verses, essentially what it boils down to, the living water is the Holy Spirit himself. Okay, and it flows out from each and every one of us out into all the dry places. So the purpose of these gates is not just for our own protection, but to also provide a means for the Holy Spirit to reach out and touch all of those that are around us. And it it went along with, uh, and I've shared this before, some of y'all probably heard this, but I had had a vision years ago of this dam. It was this massive dam. And on one side of the dam, I could see, The water was even, perfectly even with the top of the dam. And as far as you could see, it was just this massive body of water. That's all you could see. When you looked out on the one side, just water, an unending supply of water. On the other side of the dam was a desolate place. And looking at it, you could see that it was once a place full of life. You could see remnants of, you know, tree stumps or whatever it might be. You could see that it was once a forest, a place of just life and activity and all this but it, because there was no water the place had dried up and so in this vision I saw this dam and I saw a drill with the skinniest drill bit you'll ever see and it was super long to be able to get through one end to the other and it drilled a hole microscopic hole through this dam and so at first you saw nothing it seemed insignificant and I feel like sometimes when we're praying for something, when we're believing for something, when, and we see that nothing's happening, many times I believe that there are things happening, but because it's something that might start out so small, it seems insignificant, and you think that there's nothing happening, but something amazing is happening. The water's about to do the work that the wa- only the water can do. Because if you can follow this, When this little trickle of water starts to pour through this hole, water is an unstoppable, unstoppable force. That water comes through, I guarantee you, that hole just slowly gets bigger and bigger and bigger. That water erodes away at that hole to where next thing you know in this vision, just saw the water just bursting forth through this dam, completely flooding everything on the other side. And everything that was once dead, once again, comes back to life and functions the way that it, could, that it should. And there's scriptures you know, in here that talk about, this is where the scriptures talk about trees planted by the water, you know, and the purpose for them being planted by the water is so that when the heat comes, when the fires come, they won't even be scorched. Their roots are rooted down by the banks of the river. And so when we become planted, when we get our source, when we get our strength, from the living water. It does not matter what comes against us, what, you know, any kind of heat, any kind of uh, tumult that comes against us, nothing can overtake that living water that we're rooted and planted in. And uh, that's uh, Jeremiah 17, 7 through 8, says, I will bless with happiness the one who trusts in me. You know, so again, believing In him, even if you haven't seen him, but to believe in him, to trust in him. The one who trusts in me alone, verse eight, he is like a tree planted on the riverbank, extending its roots when scorching heat comes, for its leaves remain fresh and never fading, even in a year of drought. It has no anxieties, but continues to bear luscious fruit. And that's what I was saying is these holes, these soft spots in our walls, those are fear, anxiety, doubt, whatever, Be anything that causes you to not be able to walk in perfect peace. Anything that robs your peace is a hole. It's a soft spot in this wall. And he's replacing this with gates, gates of praise. What on earth does that mean? I'm getting into that. So I got that. So that's what flows out of the gate, if that makes sense, is the living water flows out of the gate. You know, so again, the purpose of the gate is to, again, provide us protection and to also allow for a means of access for the living water, for the Holy Spirit to flow in and through us to reach those around us. Okay. But the gate, how is the gate formed? Each gate is a pearl formed by praise. And this is just like the city of Jerusalem where it says each gate is a pearl. Each gate is a single pearl. There's 12 of them, you know, and so that again, sounds kind of weird, you know, tough to explain, but I, I, I Googled how a pearl is formed. You know, this is not from a spiritual website or anything like that. And I've heard some things about it before, but I was like, Hey, I just want to see for myself, you know, exactly how is a pearl formed and, I mean, this, this could be its own message, you know, all, all, all on its own, to be honest with you, because it's fascinating. A pearl becomes formed. So you have an oyster, you have a shell, and then there's something called the mantle. And the mantle, again, this is not from a spiritual website or anything like that. So, I mean, I'm reading this and I'm just like, wow. There's a mantle that covers the body or the tissue inside the oyster. And what happens is, is any time, and this is what the website said, any foreign substance, basically anything that comes in between the shell and the mantle, anytime a foreign substance comes in, it causes an irritation. And the pearl has this built-in capability to produce something called nacre, also called mother of pearl. When a foreign substance begins to come in, this pearl releases nacre, which finds the foreign substance and begins to coat it. And that coating, that nacre, that mother of pearl, that's trying to protect the body, it begins to form a pearl. That is a pearl. And what determines the value of a pearl, well, before I say that, the greater the irritation, The more the foreign substance, the more nacre is produced. So the greater it feels like it's being irritated, the more that's coming against that body that the mantle is covering. The more nacre is produced, producing a thicker and thicker layer depending on how much thickness is needed. And that is what determines the value of the pearl, is the thickness of the nacre layer. You know, so the thinner the layer, the cheaper the pearl. Thicker the layer, the more valuable the pearl. So the more irritation, the more that pearl goes through, the more valuable it becomes. And that's, I was so excited to see that because that made what I got in the shower make so much sense, is if we can just believe, even though we haven't seen, if we can just walk, in believing who he is and refuse to sacrifice what we know about his goodness, what we know to be true about his goodness, refuse to submit that to human reasoning, to try to explain to ourselves why it hasn't happened. If we can refuse to ever negate or to make anything, to make anything lesser of the goodness of God, man, we can allow this substance to just form you know in and through us that's producing something that's so valuable we're not going to be able to contain it you know this is something these valuable pearls are so sought after and it's such a process you know that that these pearls go through to form this and but that's essentially what it is the greater the obstacle the greater the cost the greater the sacrifice the greater the reward and so that's uh, back to the, you know, the word that I saw. When you see the manifestation of the goodness of God, and you will, here comes the bucket of crazy. You cannot contain it. Hallelujah. Um, so prophetically speaking, gates in the scripture refer to a place of encounter with God. So again, the wall is a place of safety. The gate is a place of access. And it talks about this a little bit in Psalms uh, 87. I don't know exactly what it says, but essentially along the lines of God loves the gates of Zion. And we mentioned Zion this morning during worship. God loves the gates of Zion or worship. When, when the scripture is talking about Zion, it's talking about worship. So God loves the gates of worship more than any other dwelling place. He dwells in our praise. He lives and dwells in our praise. He inhabits the praises of his people. And so again, your walls will be called salvation. Your gates will be called praise. And so anyone can rejoice when the prayer has been answered, when the need has been met, when you know, whatever you've been believing for, whatever you've been waiting for you know, comes, to pl- comes to pass, it's easy to rejoice. It's necessary to rejoice. There's a place of rejoicing in that. And we need to remember to give thanks in those times whenever things do go the way that we've been, you know, hoping for. But praising in those times does not form a gate. It's when the gates are formed and are tied directly to the revelation of who he is. When we are in the place of struggle, when we're waiting for the prayer to be answered, or when things don't work out the way we wanted or expected, those are the moments to form a gate. It's in those moments of irritation when we can turn to the nature of God and remind ourselves that he is always good. I must remember, he has prepared the revelation of his nature and a way of escape well before the problem ever came along. God did not design a problem. He didn't even design a solution after the problem occurred. He provided a way before the problem ever existed He's always made a way of escape. He has always prepared a way for us. He has always provided means for us to keep our eyes on Him, to focus on Him, to choose to have the right perspective in each and every situation. That's what grace is. Grace is the power or the ability to choose to follow after the Spirit instead of following after the weakness of my flesh. That is grace. Grace empowers us to follow after him, to decide to take on his perspective, to decide to take on the way that he thinks, to say the things that he says, to hear the th- things that he hears, to see people the way that he sees people, to see myself the way that he sees me, to ju- see and judge every and ev- each and every situation the way that he sees each and every situation. Rather than the revelation of his nature... Oh, I'm sorry, he didn't design the problem. He's never done a design solution. Rather, the revelation of his nature was prepared before the problem ever came into existence. And the cool thing is, if you think about it, every loss is temporary. Every loss that we go through in this life is temporary. But everything that's gained is eternal. That is, only God can orchestrate something like that. You know, and so again, if we can choose to continue to remind ourselves of the fact that God is good, no matter what everything looks like, no matter what it looks like on the outside, if we can praise in the situation, then we're building something that can only be built in a time of when we're choosing to give God glory when everybody else is saying, man, amen you know what's going on you know I, you know what's what are you going through what have you done wrong what what door did you open you know whatever you know we have opportunities to form gates in time of opposition and it's up to us to decide to do that and these gates you, something can be replaced some ugly hole some ugly uh, just soft spot in our wall, a crumbling of a wall can instead be replaced with something so valuable, a pearl of such a great price, a pearl that went through so much to come into existence, something that is unsightly or missing or not the way that it should be can be turned into just something that's of cannot be valued, cannot, cannot have a price tag associated with it. Only God you know, can do that. Only God, through the praise that we offer, can take something and turn it into a gate. Again, something that's not just for ourselves, but again, the reaching of everyone. Um, I had, a. this was a, a few months ago, because I believe that as we form, as we close these holes, as we build up our walls, our perspective of who He is and just how we approach everything in general changes. Communion, prayer, praise, I believe in so many instances are one and the same. There's there's times of prayer when we may be woken in the middle of the night, we may be going through a situation, maybe we just don't have peace about something, and there are times when you just gotta pray until you feel a release or when you feel... Um, just peace, you know, come on you. There are those instances, for sure. But there are some cases where, this is something that I've been looking at for months now, is truly, I want to truly understand prayer when it comes to whether it's praying for a need, either for myself or praying for somebody else or whatever it might be. We all know that when Jesus walked on earth, you know, he just spoke to the problem, you know, or whatever it was, said, be healed, be released, which you've asked for has been done. You know, there wasn't some big elaborate, you know, Ninja Warrior stuff going on, you know, casting out of, you know, just doing all this, you know, crazy, you know, stuff that we can easily fall into. And so I've just been, I've really been asking God for help on this. It's something I desperately wanted to understand, and not just for a head thing, but I want to understand God's perspective of prayer. And a few months ago, um, and I've told some people this, so forgive me if if you've heard this already. Um, Evan went to bed one night. Evan, he's our three-year-old. He still falls asleep in our bed. We're having a hard time letting go. Uh, it's our last one, so he sleeps in our bed, and then Ethan comes, gets him, and brings him upstairs to the boys' room, because I don't feel like carrying him up there, so I'll call Ethan on the intercom, Ethan, come down, get Evan, and, uh, so he'll come and get him, and then when Evan wakes up, when he does it, we just repeat the process two or three times until he finally stays asleep, so that's been our routine, uh, for quite some time, because we've, we've grown up, we said, hey, he's not gonna have a bed in our bedroom anymore, so we've, you know, we're making baby steps, You know, to getting them out of the room But we're just not quite ready to give them up And um, so it was a few months ago Went to bed Evan's laying in bed Right there in between us Like he always is And he starts coughing And I mean, we have six kids When we hear coughing When we see things happen Honestly, I could see an arm hanging off And I probably wouldn't You know, I'm just not moved by a lot of this stuff I, I don't I don't I don't I don't want to say I don't care. I mean, I care, but I don't I don't jump, you know, to something. You know, I mean, one of them was, you know, hurt on the trampoline yesterday and they're all screaming. Some of them come running in. They're like, "Yeah, you got to come see Evelyn's foot is like broken or whatever." I'm like, "Yeah." Oh, you know. <laughs> Slowly walk out there to the trampoline. And I'm like, can you move it? She's like, no. I'm like, then it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> if she would have said she can move it, I, I, I would have said it's fine. Yeah, I mean, whatever. You yeah, know, I mean, it's, it's fine. Uh, but there was something about the way that Evan was coughing. There was, was a chest, you know, something in the chest. And I'm going to say right now, up until that point, that was a hole in my wall. It is a fear of that sound a fear of the way that that cough sounded just because of my experience that I had with pneumonia back ten years ago you know I really thought I was gonna die um, I legitimately thought I was gonna die and um, you know I, obviously God healed me you know and everything and um, but that was a scary I was I, I've, I I can't remember any time in my life where I've ever been scared honestly except for two nights you know when I had pneumonia and so I'm familiar with that sound. You know, I know what that, I know what that sounds like and just immediately fear, you know, came on me. And I immediately became spiritual ninja warrior, put my hands, you know, on them and I'm just going to town. And I'm approaching this from a place of fear, not of victory. And I'll be honest with you, I know that in my head, And if somebody would say, said, well, Gabe, pray from a place of victory, not from a place of fear, that doesn't help. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, I mean, great. You know, I mean, yeah, that makes, you know, sense, but how do you do that? Um, Yeah, and we do that a lot, you know, and I'm guilty of that too. You know, we know so much in our head of how we're supposed to do, what we're supposed to say, how we're supposed to function, how we're supposed to react or not react, you know, whatever it might be. But when you're in it, When you're in the moment, sometimes you don't need somebody's brilliant, you know, advice. Sometimes you need the Holy Spirit to quicken something to you as to how you're supposed to respond in a certain situation. And so I'm sitting there just praying for him like I always do. God touch him. 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 Because it gives me a, if I'm honest, if God doesn't touch him, well then that was God's problem. And I'm learning. We put a lot on God when he says, I've given you the power and authority. And we use it as a cop-out saying, well, I don't know why God didn't touch. You know, it might not be God's timing. Maybe it's not God's will. You know, it might be, it's no. So I'm praying. I'm just saying all the things that sound right. You know, y'all would have been proud. You know, the things coming in my mouth, it was eloquent, eloquent. You know, there were scripture references that were in there. There was, you know, passion. There was goosebumps. There was, you know, all the right juices were flowing. And I wore myself out. I don't know how long it went on. It probably realistically only went on for 10 or 15 minutes. Felt like it was an eternity. But when I finished, he was still coughing. And I didn't have an answer. I was exhausted and I was still in fear. And man... This may sound weird, but uh, the Holy Spirit came and sat on my bed. As sure as Pastor Mark is sitting right there, the Holy Spirit was sitting on my bed and said this to me, are you done yet? (laughs) Clear as day, I heard his voice. I could see him. I can't explain it. I can't say this is what he looked like. I can't, all I can say is he was right there, sat on my bed and said, are you done yet? And I said, yeah. <laughs> and he said, good. He said, because now I'm going to show you how to pray. In that moment, oh, it was so real. I mean, it's like it just happened. I mean, it's an experience I will never ever forget. Because it was so real. And it's important to know that what he told me, and that's what I'm about to share, is not a formula. Not a formula. I got this from the Holy Spirit for this situation, and it was about a perspective change. It was not about, hey, anytime you're dealing with somebody who's got a cough that's maybe starting to sound like pneumonia, do this. That's not what it was about. So the first thing that he told me, he said, put your hand on Evan. Put my hand on Evan. And he said, begin to thank me for him. Put my hand on Evan. And I just, I started, and it turned into something. I started with words, you know, and saying, God, thank you for Evan. Evan. Thank you for who he is. And as soon as those words came out, all of a sudden I began to remember the words that I've had for him, the words that other people have had for him, the visions that I've had for him of the person that he's gonna be to where it turned into a place of just love for who he is and just saying, God, thank you so much for Evan. Thank you for the calling that you've placed on his life. Thank you legitimately. And these turned into not words, These are turned into true expressions of thankfulness. Saying, God, thank you for giving me the opportunity to train him up, to bring him up into the person that you've called him to be. I thank you so much for the joy that he is to Amy in our life. And I mean, it it went on, I mean, to where this love towards Evan, I'm his parent. I'm his dad. I love him. I adore him. But this was the love of God that I felt for him. The love of God for our children or for our loved ones or for anything is far greater than the love that we will ever have. Doesn't matter how much we think that we love somebody, God's love is far greater. And so when God allowed me to feel his love towards Evan, it it blew my mind. I mean, it really did. It was like, wow. This is amazing. Again, I can't put it into words. It just overcame me so much. And by remembering, this is who he's called to be. He's been put in my life. I've been put in his life for a reason. You know, the enemy wants me to forget this and try to cause fear to come in and say, hey, you know, something might happen to him. And it's like, no, 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 no. I've got a word from God. I know who this person is. I feel the love of God towards him. Nothing is happening, you know, to him. And I, I, as, as, I, as I was praying for him and I kind of you know, stopped again, this wasn't anything that lasted a long time, but just the words that were coming out of me were the words of the father towards Evan. They weren't even my words towards Evan. They were the words of the father towards him. And that didn't go on long. And then I heard the Holy Spirit say, I've given you power and authority. He said, speak to the problem and tell it to go. And so I said, chest congestion, go. That was it. And his coughing stopped. The problem went away. Peace Return to me. Peace returned to him. It was such an amazing thing. It's, again, not something I can put into words, but we need to remember the perspective that we have, the way that we're supposed to view each and every situation, the way that we're supposed to flow in and through him. I mean, it's not, that's what I said, it's not about a formula. It's not about, okay, well, I need to make sure I pray this first, then this and this and this, then just speak to the problem. It's not about that at all. It's realigning, it's refocusing our perspective on Him and who He is, the price that He's paid. And that's why I say prayer, communion, praise, a lot of that can be all one and the same because things like communion is nothing more than a remembering of the price that he's paid, it says, as often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. It's reminding ourselves, we're not moving the heart of God. We're not twisting the arm of God. We're not, tr- we're not saying, hey, here's a situation and God, I need you to do something about it. It's realigning our focus with the purposes of heaven. It's realizing that the work has already been done. And so as it is there, I can speak it here it's bringing that into an existence, which we may not see yet. And yet, even though I don't see it, I still believe it. I still believe the price was paid. I still believe that God wants to touch my son. I still believe all of this. And it's until you keep yourself in this alignment. And that's why Jesus, it was so powerful how he could walk up to somebody and just say, be healed, because he kept himself in perfect peace. He kept himself in, his, in constant communion, in constant prayer, in constant praise you know, of the Father. <clears throat> He'd never moved from that. So he recognized his power. He recognized the authority that he had. And he was able to walk in and demonstrate it without having to get himself in that place. But as I'm growing, sometimes I need to get myself in that place. Amen. That's okay. It's not praying myself up like I used to do. You get into just these, you know, scriptures call it vain babbling. And you're just, you know, just build yourself up. But I'm not against, you know, please don't get me wrong. I mean, I, I speak in tongues all the time, every day. You know, that's all good. But again, when we're just trying to do something to try to get this fear to go away and to try to just get in a place of peace to where hopefully God can hear us, Again, it's not about that. It's remembering, it's realigning that the price has been paid. Listen to the Holy Spirit. He wants to lead you and guide you in each and every situation, whatever situation you may be praying for, you may be experiencing. The Holy Spirit wants to co-labor with you in each and everything. Let Him tell you what to do in each and every situation. And if you don't get the immediate response that you want. If you don't see the immediate thing that you want, still choose to believe. And I'm not talking about turning into one of those people that's just naming and claiming everything under the sun and just saying, you know, I'm healed, I'm healed, I'm healed, but yet they're walking around without legs. You know, I'm, it, it's, it's recognizing, it's staying in a posture of thankfulness to God, no matter what the circumstance, no matter what the situation, I can still praise Him, just like we were talking about uh, after worship was over. We still have the opportunities to praise Him, no matter what is going on. We can choose to praise Him, and after after I've, you know, this this experience happened with Evan, you know, I of course, shared it with Amy <clears throat> the next morning. And by the way, yes, we got the flu a couple weeks ago. Evan was uh, I was up in Treefort. Evan, uh, this was a few days before we got the flu. Evan, uh, I left for work that morning, he felt totally fine, uh, but probably around 10 o'clock, something like that, Amy called me and said, you know, he's just absolutely burning up with fever, and you could hear him crying in the background, uh, he, wanted, he wanted Amy to call me, and I was like, you know, okay, you know, what, what, what little crying kid, you know, asked for their dad, you know, but he wanted to call me on the phone, and so he called me, it just sounded so pathetic, you know, he cries, and he's like, dad, dad, you know, and he's just crying, and immediately I just remembered this place that the Holy Spirit took me to, you know, just those few months ago, and immediately found, you know, both Amy and I found ourselves in that place, in the correct posture Come on. of immediately just, you know what? Thank you. Thank you, God. Thank you for this life that you've given us. Thank you for this joy. Thank you for this blessing that you've given us. You know, thank you for the price that was paid. And again, just said, sickness, go. That was it. And I was, I was driving to a meeting. I hung up with Amy. I uh, walked into my meeting and then I saw when I got out of the meeting, she had texted me just as I was walking into the meeting saying his fever had broke. You know, so it happened. So growing in this, but yet we all, everybody except for Evan, just got the flu. Everybody in our family. <clears throat> I'm growing. We're growing. There's some. I'll be honest with you. There's sometimes in some situations I don't feel like praying. You know, it's just like, well, I'm just whatever. You know, I'm sick. I'll deal with it. I'll get over it. You know, whatever. It's fine. I'm not a pity person when I'm sick. You know, it's just like I'll, I'll deal with it. You know, I'm fine. I'm not making excuses, but I'm just saying growing. I can't, I can't say that I've developed a formula that now each and every situation that comes up, I can just immediately say, God, thank you for this person. Uh, Thank you for the price that you paid. Problem go away. That's not the way that it works. There's a heart posture. And so again, I was telling this to Amy uh, after this first instance with Evan, and she reminded me of some of a a message that we had heard from Dan Muller, where he said, we have no power or authority over that which we fear. When we're afraid of something, we don't have the authority. We're approaching something as a reaction to something. The kingdom of God does not react to a problem. God is not not scrounging around in heaven trying to find solutions or answers to problems. He's already developed a way. And so we have no authority over that which we fear, and it's perfect love that casts out fear. Oh, gosh. We become what we behold. I'm closing, I'm sorry. I had no idea it was this long. We become what we behold. Perfect love casts out fear, and we become what we behold. And our Father is perfect love. If we behold Him, we become that perfect love. When we live and walk in perfect love, fear and darkness can have no place, no foothold. And it is in that posture we can recognize that all power and authority has been given to us. And so I'm going to stop there. I'm so sorry. Oh, it went so long. But just a word of encouragement. Gates of praise is what he's given to us is what he's, and it's, it's such a valuable thing. It's a pearl that's formed, or his gates of praise are formed through irritation. I'm sorry, we're gonna experience irritation in life. Things are going to happen. There is nothing that says, come to God, your problems go away. No, there's a perfect wall around this city, a wall of salvation and gates of praise. Again, allowing us to allow the living water of the Father to flow out from this city, to reach all the dry and desolate places around us, And to form a pearl of great price that can only be built if we can treat circumstances, situations as opportunities to sure up a wall, to replace a hole or a soft spot in our wall with a beautiful girl, pearly gate. Not a beautiful girl, a beautiful pearl. So that's it.
1: Gonna say let's let's thank the Lord, which first we honor the we honor the vessel through which the gift comes. So that's what we're doing. Um, but remember the vessel is a transporter of a message, so let the words carry life on them and produce the faith and everything that is necessary to step out of fear and walk in that posture to see the miraculous happening. Really, really powerful. And while you were communicating, there were text messages going on with something that was very that connected with your message. So Naomi, come up and share this. I want you to share this really quickly, um, and because it's got to do with what you were sharing. So, yeah. Okay, that's fine. Well, I mean, in the, in the
0: so yesterday, um, I'm getting back into drawing and painting and stuff. Well yesterday um, I was kind of like doing chalk with the children and um, I started off by just drawing drawing like dead trees
1: and then um, I drew a pond around it and then it just kind of overflowed from that and um, it was actually a dam that broke and um, you could see the dead
0: here and then the water coming through and nourishing everything and then um, Several years ago, um, God gave me this vision of, this was actually in April of 2022, of the brick and His hands opening up and living waters flowing through um,
1: to, to flourish us. So I just wanted to show that. Hallelujah. That is amazing. I mean like, what a blessed time. How, how many of you have been blessed today? all right and you know you've got to be grateful because even if we we're usually on time right now anyway but if you feel extra hungry be grateful because you're going to enjoy your food even more so um but what a blessed time you know i don't yes here's, here's what we need to do and as i leave i'm not going to preach another sermon now in jesus name what i am saying is when we listen and we open our hearts to the word or somebody bringing a message. It's not just about you coming here, sitting and getting a good message. It's not about that. It's about you coming and listening with the ear of God, how can you work this in me? Take it and let it become alive to you. It's not about people coming up here to impress your intellect and how, well, he did real good today. You know, he was real good. Otherwise, it's never going to produce anything. Otherwise, you're just going to be somebody that loves to listen to good messages. And I can give you hundreds of those on YouTube. All right. It's about letting that word become alive in you. And you posture yourself in that. So I want to encourage you. That was really powerful, really rich. And let it come and bless you today. Hallelujah. We love you. God bless you. And Jesus is... Lord. Amen. Be blessed. Go in the joy of the Lord.